0: the the great lesson of this uh, for me is that people will come to their own conclusions based on what their prejudices are. Subscribe to The Queen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now.
1: Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Just when I thought I was out, pull me back in. TrumpCast has been working hard to drop the bulk of its title since Joe Biden won the election in November. We promised to stay until this is over, and we were going to stay through the inauguration of the next president just to be on the safe side. But as the nation's capital is being fortified against the president of the United States and his foot soldiers, the definition of safe side has become somewhat complicated. So to answer your many questions about what will become of TrumpCast— The answer is the same as it's always been. We promise to stay until this is over. And while that won't include the post-presidency trials of our criminal president, may they be millions, it may indeed mean that sometime into Biden's presidency, as this second impeachment in the House goes forward and Trump gets a trial in the Senate and, God willing, though damned unlikely, a conviction. To understand how we came to a second impeachment, To understand how we came to this stupefying pass, which looks a lot like civil war, I'm going to talk to David Weissman today. David Weissman is an Army veteran and a former Trump troll who once considered the very insurgents that stormed the Capitol last week, including the Proud Boys. They were his brothers in arms. He supported their causes and eagerly revved up for civil war. But unlike the insurgents for MAGA, Weissman had a change of heart in 2018 and started a process of de-radicalization that drew the attention of people like me, seeking to understand how America got to its undoing. His rejection of far-right views and practices and his embrace of the Democratic Party—sometimes I think he was a little too warm with us—made him among the many enemies of his former fellow travelers, including the ones currently trying to overthrow the U.S. government. David's come a long way, even since I spoke to him when he was only recently disillusioned with MAGA. He's now in school, feeling physically and emotionally healthy, as he never did in his power trolling days. I should say, I Zoomed with him at his college in Florida, where he's outside, out of COVID concerns, so it's a bit breezy and loud where he is. You'll hear it in the audio. But it's very worth paying close attention to, because I can't think of anyone who speaks so intimately to the seditious worldview passing as patriotism that may yet destroy the United States of America. Welcome, David.
0: Hi, thank you for having me on.
1: Words cannot describe what the last week has been, I think, for all of us. But what I'm hoping, because you have a unique view of what it is to be one of these people kind of gunning for civil war in the name of donald trump the ones that stormed and held siege the Capitol one week ago so what i'm hoping is that you can clarify the mindset of some of the insurgents those mindsets are so hard to understand for the rest of us maybe you can help illuminate them
0: definitely a lot of it has to do with the fear indoctrination of right-wing media the fear that you know democrats are going to take you know their rights away, their freedoms away. I mean, you can see it on social media how, you know, they're worried about their followers or their accounts being suspended, Uh, and they they call that free speech, even though Twitter or other social media outlets have, you know, it's a private organization, you know, it's not what free speech, the First Amendment is about, but that's why I keep saying it's indoctrination. They're being fed these lies on what they think what free speech is about. And, you know, it starts in fear and it's build up and build up and build up. And, you know, it's been building up for so many years, but, you know, during President Obama's presidency, um, you know, for most 10 years. in, uh, you know, and, you know, that fear turns to hate, turns to anger because they just don't understand um, outside of their bubble. And, mm-hmm. and they think they're doing, you know, the patriarch work of, you know, in a country.
1: Your sort of de-radicalization has been something we've talked about, you and I have talked about privately, and we've talked about on this show before. But I hadn't realized until you forwarded me a tweet that you've bravely left up of yours from 2017, where you also were kind of throwing in with the idea of civil war that was alive among the far right at that stage. So Trump was president then, yes. and and incidentally, 2017, both houses of Congress were in the hands of Republicans and Trumpites. So it was hard to imagine what the Civil War would be over or why anyone would be talking about a first strike from the right, but there it is. And maybe you can tell us about that particular period in your evolution, and also the figure you tag in that tweet is at Baked Alaska, someone who I had never heard of until this insurgency, um, who's a leader in the right wing movement. And he isn't the only person you know of who went to the Capitol. So maybe you can talk to us about your evolution beginning with that tweet in 2017, what led up to you wanting civil war, and also talk about some of these other figures around you, including Baked Alaska.
0: Sure. Well, and again, a lot of it's fear and pace. And you know, especially when it comes to the Second Amendment and the Constitution, where you know you have the NRA and then you have conservative talking heads saying, "Oh, the, the Second Amendment is there to protect us from tyranny," and as we see, like, "Oh, Democrats want to take your rights away." So, where you know, and you know, when you know, Democrats talk about gun reform and just regulations, but then you know, these talking heads, these propagandists are saying, "No, they actually want to take away your right guns." Away from mm-hmm. your arms. And that's why you see so many of these people saying, you know, from my cold, dead hands, you know, comments like that. And it just gets mm-hmm. us so mm-hmm. filled up. And, you know, we talk about, you know, there's a war coming and there's going to be a war there's going to be a war, you know, because we think, you know, we see, like, you know, at the time when I was a Trump supporter, we only seen the propaganda, propaganda pictures of, like, Black Lives Matter protests. where you know, the whole protest can be peaceful, but, you know, there's, like, one, like, bad incident they would generalize like the whole movement, uh, you know, with those like of the photo, and mm-hmm. that's sort of like sort of the fear indoctrination that I talk about. And so we think oh there's going to be more dangerous to be around the country, so you got to arm yourselves.
1: When you were picturing who to arm yourself against in twenty seventeen, were you picturing Hillary Clinton and people uh, and Barack Obama and people who looked like looked like them? Were you picturing lizard people? Were you picturing Black Lives Matter? Were you picturing um, immigrants? I mean, what did, like, to psych yourself up at night, you know, who did you think would be on the receiving end of your gun?
0: Well, me me personally, I thought, like, it would be, like, Muslims or, you know, Black Lives Matter. And, uh, especially, you know, when you're a Republican and a Jew, um, you know, you, Defending Israel was always like a big talking point in the Republican Party Mm -hmm. And you know, you know The the conflict, you know, and that's why they when when people say any criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic so to my mind that's like who like the major enemy um, You know as a conservative Jew conservative Republican and you know at the time, you know I thought like why isn't President Obama condemning Islam why isn't Hillary Clinton condemning Islam Because you know we're Mm -hmm. thinking that the whole religion is bad. It's you know the whole religion is radicalized, and so so we thought that you know that whole cabal of George Soros, you know deep state. You know we thought that that was they were all in together
1: as enemies of Israel and allies of jihadis.
0: Yeah, correct. Globalism, um, jihadis. Black lives matter, you know.
1: Black lives matter because we, you
0: know, we played in an American and Israel alliance. Like those are the two strong, you know, strongest friends. That, as a conservative Jew, you know, that's what we thought was very important to us.
1: Your constellation of beliefs that include globalists. I mean at that time, that include globalists and kind of the Davos, George Soros crowd. Well, the far-right discourse, and I saw you smile. I should tell listeners that you smiled at the mention of lizard people because lizard people are kind of after your time. So, you know, you weren't – last time we were talking – I mean, I, I don't think Q even was in anyone's consciousness. And I've never heard you talk about Tom Hanks's eating children or JFK Jr. coming back to life or 5G or, you know, those kind of ladder-born ideas that seem very, or anti-vax, anti-mask, the kind of things that kind of got Kitchen synced in with some of the earlier, earlier set of far-right beliefs. I mean, what what's that been like to see that evolve and did someone like baked Alaska who started with you um, you know, did he st- as, as you de-radicalized, did they kind of put their radicalization on steroids?
0: Well, um, I mentioned before on different threads, like how there's actually different factions of MAGA, you know, that you have here, like your uh, neocons, your Israel first or is your, um, you know those guys, and they you have like your alternate right guys, and then you have the Q, QAnon people. There are different different factions, different disagreements and policies, and then you have like the, you know then you have the really far out conspiracies, which you know there's most most of Trump's base though, at the time. I, I I see how QAnon has grown compared to when I was back, I guess, so that's kind of surprising too. But like when I was in there, it wasn't as big of a faction. That was baked Alaska.
1: Oh yeah, so Baked Alaska, who is that?
0: He is a known probably white supremacist. And we first had an altercation because I'm Jewish and he's a white suprem- white supremacist. And he had some like anti-Semitic memes and I sort of you know, you know, going after him and we sort of went on each other. And then I guess we both realized that we both supported Trump. And um, mm-hmm. so we were I mean, just sort of like, you know what? Hey, we're on the same team here uh liberals democrats you know all those guys are like the bigger you know are more of a threat than you and i are so we kind of work things out um we sort of you know put our our differences aside so we one you know help support trump and help you north know, america first agenda and different things like that so we we both agreed to put our differences aside and we joined forces.
1: Where did that happen?
0: Some of it happened on Twitter. If you want to see some of our mentions, you know, my mentions uh, and his mentions, mm-hmm. you can see, I know he's. A, I know he's been suspended for a long time mm-hmm. from Twitter, but uh, before that, you can see how our mentions interacted. And then, you know, then we DM each other. Because um, I know I, I, I guess I just sort of, you know, sort of makes sense at the time. Like, oh, you know what? You're right. You know, I, I i see how you guys are coming because you know they want to get jewish people as well as you know white people i guess white people feel victimized in many ways then mm-hmm. they were like you know you know we both have a common goal we both support the same president let's work together and he actually got me a spot on Gavin McInnes'
1: show yeah this is the founder of the proud boys and also formerly of Vice. And then he moved farther and farther to the right, to the Proud Boys, and became kind of celebrity uh, number one in that group, but that now has backed away from the Proud Boys. Um, but anyway, so go on. You got to be on his show, which was, for someone on the far right, a big deal. Yes, definitely,
0: especially being a Jew. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, talking about, you know, how I defended defend Trump against when people calling him, you know, to Hitler and different things like that. And how I said how the anti-Semitic card is overplayed, you know different things like mm-hmm. that. You know when you know how they were saying how Proud Boys were white supremacists and anti-Semitic, and I you know I defended it because I you know because we're both supporting Trump. You know we're both in the same team. Why right? let them get criticized for defending America? Because that's what that's what right. W- the right things. You know they believe that their ideals is like defending you know the one America way
1: of life. Yeah. Did you? begin to feel uneasy in that role, um, as kind of the, the house Jew that was supposed to speak and, and kind of exonerate, um, the movement for its anti-Semitism just by your mere presence? A little bit, but then I was like, you know what? Facts don't care about your feelings.
0: You know, that's, that's the mentality of the right. So it's like, you know, suck it up, drive on, you know, we got a mission.
1: Baked Alaska, of course, was the subject of a Ben Smith column in the New York Times over uh, in the last few days um, because Ben had worked with him at BuzzFeed, where he was pretty good. I think Ben calls him a natural for BuzzFeed because he was able to create viral content. And then his real name is something like and Team Genet, he moved on as Baked Alaska to make increasingly far right content, and then you know up to including becoming tour manager for Milo Yiannopoulos, and then joining the the Siege. Um, so that was that's kind of like an alternate could have been another path for you had you stayed side by side with him because you're also pretty good at um sort of understanding the internet and internet memes i mean very good at it it's just it took you in another direction
0: yeah and it's it definitely is mind-blowing especially when i saw him there and i kind of thinking like oh my god you know what if, you know i mean so it's it's definitely it was definitely mind-boggling seeing that and seeing him there um you know people that he actually knew, knew that he worked with and you know they're doing something crazy like this and I'm thinking to myself, like, what if, you know, that could have been me? Possibly. I mean, I mean, personally, I don't think I would actually like hurt anyone, you know, like how they did. But Mm -hmm. the the fact that I would, I would be there supporting that cause, you know, sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, my only thing about
1: you and I have talked about kind of, we've talked about the indoctrination and possibly the vulnerabilities to indoctrination that some. Young men have. It seems like some people, and uh, Baked Alaska might be among them, become just super interested in the kind of trolling and performance art of disturbing the equilibrium of those in the media or, you know, people on Twitter. And you know, I know your your de radicalization began when you were complaining about the uneven treatment of right wing voices on Twitter versus left wing ones and saying that you know, you had a political following too and deserved uh, a blue check mark to have your account verified. And that's how you got into conversation, I think, with some some blue check marks on the left, right? So it's like sort of part of this is trolling. You described yourself as a troll. Yeah. and trolling, you know, is fun. And some of these guys seem to be in it for fun. You know, even on Parlor are saying, I don't believe any of this stuff, but man, those liberal tears are sweet. So that seems to be part of it. Exactly.
0: It's, a lot of it's reaction.
1: Getting the reaction, right. But then also, you've described, and Christian Picciolini, who we've had on the show, former skinhead, has described a kind of trauma that was a breeding ground for, you know, views grounded in resentment and fear. You know, are you prepared to talk a little bit more about that trauma? I know you've been wrestling with it.
0: Absolutely. As far as the fear of what we thought what Democrats were in if I'm understanding what you mean, or...
1: Yeah, I mean, after you got back from Afghanistan, you know, you had a family, you had terrible experiences, as everyone did in the war, been exposed to lots of violence, and those things somehow came into play when you started watching Hannity, as I understand it. Is that correct?
0: Correct. Um, I mean, you know, being in the military, being in a plane, you know, I um, was point to, you know, wars you know Afghanistan you know and you know Muslim country so it was sort of you know especially you know I was in the military when 9-11 happened and you know so I had this sort of stigma on Islam and you know when I you know watched Hannity and I watched you know and it's more than just Hannity conservative media is very very good at sharing their message out to people and is very 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 to say very similar and it sort of made it, it sort of helped make the group called the team party uh, The team party is like the first, you know, it was, it was before MAGA um, A lot of it because a lot of that's sort the of like conspiracy is really started Happening and yeah, I mean Any terror attack or any incident like it was a, you know, it was an Islamic terror You know, BLM or yeah. Marxist and because, and, it, and it plays a part with your PTSD, especially, you know, that's, I think that's why a lot of veterans are in MAGA, because they think that the Democrats don't like the military, they believe the propaganda of President Obama weakening the military, and, you know, if you, know how, if you support the military, how can you be a Democrat you, you know, Republican? That's a Republican talking point. It took a lot to uh, bring my own wall down, and then seeing seeing what other people go through compared to my own bubble. And a lot of it is like a lot of it is bad, you know. They think about their own family, they think about their own friends, their own own lives, and they don't realize, like, holy crap, you know, a person can you know, you know say a black person can call a cops and get shot by a cop just because they're black. You know, as a as a white conservative person, you, you don't think because you know you don't you know an experience it.
1: Mm-hmm. It's extraordinarily valuable to have you to be able to tell these stories and give the inside, interior experience of this kind of radicalization. Sometimes the ideology, the current far-right ideology, seems so confusing that it's just not worth sorting out the lizard people from the JFK resurrection people. But at the same time, there are ideological positions that are coherent, including your own kind of anti-Islam, maybe clash of civilizations that, you know, you were Israel first and you could easily draw a line between even the Saudi attackers, terrorists on 9-11 to, you know, those who support the Palestinians. And it made a certain kind of sense and coherence. The thing about from, is that, you know, Trump has been indifferent to Islamic terrorism in spite of his campaign and quickly which sh- sort of merged together Muslims and Mexicans, you know, coming over the country. He tried the Muslim ban, and he seemed to have dropped a lot of the Tea Party obsession with Islam and with Islamists. The fact that some people hung on after that when all of a sudden— you know, up to and including attacking police officers at the Capitol. It's hard to draw a straight line from extreme patriotism, jingoism, hatred of Islam, uh, Israel first, to why you should sack the U.S. Capitol with and kill police officers. It's just the connections are so opaque and confusing to someone from the outside. I guess my question for you is... I know there are many reasons you made your change, but because you are have ideological com- real ideological commitments, did the shift in focus of the far right of MAGA affect your is that where you began to see this made no sense or is it where you said, you know, they're not for what I'm for? Like I'm now in bed with neo-Nazis or I'm not, like I'm not doing anything for Israel? By, you know, advocating Kyle Rittenhouse and beating up Black people. Yes, it, it was a combination. It was a combination. Okay. Yeah, it, it was
0: a combination. There was like my view of patriotism was completely different. Even though I was like an Israel person, I was still like very patriotic, or, you know, what I thought was okay. patriotic. Like, you know, stand for the flag, stand for the, you know, anthem. You know, those are patriotic things. It's wrong to kneel even though actual actual patriotism, you know, you respect people's right to protest. Yeah. Even though you might not agree with it. So, you know, through after through the initial dialogue, I started talking, you know, talking with other people with other you know, I actually spoke with people from the women's March and learned about, you know, systemic racism, you know, you know, why keep deals in you know, I was like and I was kind of surprised that you know, this was actually happening. Like, you know, mm. so it was something shocking to me because, you know, you, you know, you never see that side like on the media. Mm. You know, you always see the destruction, you know, the one picture or two pictures, of, you know, black lives matter. And, and that's why people think, oh, that's what they represent. But you don't see why you don't see why they are protesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when I was seeing that, I couldn't believe it. And then I was like, you know, And in, in the beginning of my journey, I still didn't quite like sort of agree with them, you know, kneeling. But I was like, you know what? You know, I'm an American veteran, and I support free speech, even though I disagree with it. But you know, they had the right to they had the right to protest. They had the right to speak out. And that was sort of like my change of my worldview um, of patriotism, actual patriotism, compared to fake patriotism. And I sort of began to learn, you know, the difference between the two. So Yes, uh, a lot of it a lot of it was different worldview, different outlooks. Um, you know, I spoken to you know, Muslims, I've spoken to um people of color and learning, you know, I, I began to really branch out. And then and then I got to kind of point where, you know what? Yeah, I'm talking with, I'm talking with, you know, the supremacist and you know, hate is hate, you know, no matter you should call it out. know, say it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was sort of like a, a shift in my worldview. And uh, I know some side in that. I don't want to be part of any hate group as well.
1: So this is a dicey question, I guess, that everyone's trying to figure out. But do you think there have been members of the military or police forces who encouraged this, went along with this? Obviously, we're getting all kinds of fragments of breaking news that police may have been in on it, veterans, and even some people serving in the military right now or enter and the Capitol police. I mean, how far does the infiltration by white supremacists of the police force and even the military go so much that they also might want sedition? Uh,
0: it can, it can go very deep. I mean, it's just, I mean, look, you can see the systemic racism in a police force clearly. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, now I do.
1: Yeah. But I mean, active white supremacists who might use their weapons against Black Lives Matter protesters or even against sitting people.
0: And it's something like how, how many or?
1: I mean, if you were thinking about veterans that you knew, I mean, did you see actual sedition flying the Confederate flag at the U.S. Capitol as kind of on a continuum with the behavior that you saw in the military and among veterans?
0: Yeah, as far as he, when I saw that uh, videos and the pictures, I don't believe I'd seen anyone I knew specifically, but it was. But um, I, can, I can understand uh, why they would actually do that, mm-hmm. you know, coming from that world. Uh, and I, because this really is a totally different world
1: view. So the US military, you really think US military, the US military and um I mean let's leave out police forces because that's not your experience, but the US military could be radicalizing people against the United States?
0: Um not as like the military as a whole, but maybe in the individual basis. I know I, I made contacts with uh, Malcolm Nance and a few other people and learning about that side that. I think they're called boogaloos.
1: Right. Boogaloo.
0: Yeah, boogaloo. That's it. And there is actual sort of an infiltration in the military. So it's not like it's not the military itself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's just individuals that are taking advantage. Um, mm-hmm. I mean I, I I even had a conversation with my mom with my mom who's a conservative and close but she's like, you know, when we see how there was like a lieutenant colonel that was part of part of that insurrection. She's like, well you know what? You know, the military, you know, they're still human. I mean, military members can accuse them of rape, do crimes, murder. They're still people. And then I was like, you know what? Yeah, that's, and it's true. Military members are still people, even though we do look, you know, we do set, uh, set, give them a higher standard uh you know, morality. But yeah, I mean, they're still, they're still people. They're still human. They, you know, they can, you know, make mistakes just like anybody else. And that's why there's like so many rules there. You know, if they can get caught, you know, they can get court martial or, you know, different actions taken on them if they want to break rules.
1: Right. So, since most of your right wing activism was conducted, most, if not all, was conducted online, this translation that Boogaloo, for instance, is trying to make from online activism to out and out armed sedition and war, using, in some cases, people with actual military or police training. And sometimes even with the cooperation of police, uh, individual police officers. So that's, I think, a bridge too far. I mean, you used war as a kind of metaphor, although correct me if I'm wrong, but or were you building like an arsenal so that you could join up, you know, attacking or in terrorist attacks or I mean, do you feel like you were moving in that direction?
0: Yeah, it seemed like it. It seemed like it was moving in the right direction. I mean, you know, people. You
1: yourself. Well, yeah,
0: I mean, they really sort of brainwashing. you are thinking that like this sort of nationalism is patriotism. So, it, so you're thinking to yourself that you're going to defend, you're going to go out to defend your country. So mm-hmm. that's why you know you know you link up with people and money, and that's why people have you know NRA memberships and they stock up on weapons and different things like that. I mean, there are people that really think that it's possible that you would defend yourself in conflict.
1: So the Boogaloo's, the Proud Boys, Baked Alaska, the Oath, Oath Keepers, and of course, Donald Trump himself have been deplatformed or kicked off mainstream platforms. Um, Parlor, I don't know the status of Gab right now. So where have they gone And if they are gearing up for another move, this so-called million militia march on the day of Joe Biden's inauguration, where are they gathering? Where are they recruiting? Do you have exposure at all to any of that online and real world action?
0: Not exactly. I mean, there's been a few people that I still stay in contact with, but as far as like complaining planning and talking about what's going on, you know, I'm sort of concerned as a trainer, trainer.
1: So so you don't hear that much. But do you did you even join Parler or take a look at it? Oh No, no. Okay. And where were you organizing? I mean, I know you would meet up in DMS when you were trolling for Trump in MAGA, with the MAGA crowd, and you would sort of decide how to use Twitter. Were you using other message boards
0: oh, and yeah, twitter facebook uh i was in a bunch of different facebook groups okay. That's I'm I'm supporting. i was very very active on social media
1: are you starting to feel it's funny because i can really almost tell in in the way you talk having seen you through this journey are you starting to feel like kind of a a, a former, as they say in the cult world, who's like really pretty far from, or you know, it's really it seems to be more and more in the rearview mirror after yeah. you know after a few years out of it, and also as you say, being treated as a traitor. I mean, I saw that. You know, one thing that's missing sometimes from these stories is the the uh, the death threats um, are you know in some cases even more intense for people who broke with this. Rather than people, you know, who kind of have been skeptical of it all along, and I know it's been hell for you with your old crowd.
0: Definitely, I mean, they, you know, been trolled, death threats, you know, personal attacks. You know, even my kids were exploited. You know, in some ways, and it's it's been pretty intense, and and yeah,
1: and really demoralizing, right?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, and you know, it wasn't you know, it wasn't for the fact that the amazing people that I. That I connected myself with, you know, have given me a really strength to continue. And I see people, you know, like AOC or, you know, Chelsea Clinton and others, how they just, you know, how they just, you know, continue staying stay, stay the course. And it's like, man, if they can do it, you know, so can I. And, you know, I just keep going at it. And then I got to a point now where I just like, just white noise. I, you know, and then I it pays me. Yeah. Because I know who I am. People know who I am. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, Sometimes I'll bring an old sweet of mine, you know, to help give people insight of what's going on now. And and it's like, man, I'm not even that person anymore. And it doesn't even... You're right. It's sort of like, you know, a former, you know. I feel like a different person, you know. I I care about, you know, so many different things, you know. And, I you know, learning what real patriotism is about, real love for country. um, Learning that, you know, I, I do have a sense of privilege. And, you know, when people fight for other rights or, you know, when people get other opportunities, it's not always about me. You know, but, yeah, I realize that the Democratic Party, I mean, of course, they're not perfect. I mean, people are people and but it's, they're not like the demonization that, you know, right-wing media, right you know, Republicans make them out to be. And, you know, I realize that you know, when you fight for rights of others, you know, it's not an infringement on people who have rights. And you can clearly see when you have eyes open. So the world around you, is seriously seeing that there's still, I mean, yeah, I mean, you learn about, you sort of relearn about the history of our country and how it wasn't always built on just freedom, you know, there's a lot of flaws. The, the Constitution had flaws, mm-hmm. why, you know, they had to make amendments to make it the document it is now. And you just have a, you know, different worldview, different outlook, and it, it changes you. And, it, and I think it changes you for the, for the better, you know, when you, when you can see that.
1: I know that I was, I was, last time you were on the show and other times, I've, I, there's two ways that I feel like I always ask you a question and you always answer truthfully, even though you know you're probably disappointing me. Last time I kept asking you, has there been an element of, I don't know if I said euphoria or just um, well-being that has followed your breaking with the right? And then, I think it was two years ago or something, you said, I wouldn't go that far. You know, it wouldn't go that far, not quite to relief. But now you're sounding a, a bit more, I don't want to push you, but a bit more like you're y- just, you sound like, you sound good, you know, you sound like this has been a period of growth for you. And I know you have a new relationship and, you know, you did some work for Elizabeth Warren and then you've been right behind Biden and maybe, I don't know, you just seem like really settled in your life. Am I right about that? Or is it still... Are you still anxious?
0: You're definitely right for the most part. You know, I've gotten, I've gotten healthy uh, physically, emotionally, and I, you know, I have a new, you know, career goals in life, you know, new purposes. So yeah, I, I'm definitely at a better place mentally. And, and I haven't looked back since. And I, I know that I made the right decision in going this way. And it's, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey. And, and you know I, I continue to learn, I continue to dialogue, and you know I even dialogue with a few Trumpers that are, have been civil, and I encourage that. I mean, because I in a way I, I don't personally blame them. You know I don't blame a lot, of, you know the media, and, you know, officials, and so I you know I kind of hold them accountable. But yeah. you know as far as the regular voters, you know I you know, kind of like realize no that they're fault. except except for the ones that actually commit terrorism that we saw in Capitol Hill. Mean, that's that's like a whole new level um you know, you know those those people uh I and mean, that's a totally different and I, and i and i so yeah it's been an amazing journey you know i'm happier um i'm not angry no i don't i don't hate i mean there's a difference between like holding people accountable and then just pure hating
1: yeah
0: and, and and i'm learning the difference and i feel more in control of, of my emotions and it's it's been amazing
1: David Weissman is a student, a former Trump troll, and a U.S. Army veteran. Thanks so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me on again. It's a pleasure talking to you.
1: And that's it for today's show. We're getting ready to unveil our plans for the future soon. We'll announce them here, and you can come out to Twitter to keep your eyes peeled for more. I'm at page 88. The show is at RealTrumpCast. Our show today was produced by Melissa Kaplan and engineered by Richard Stanislaw. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Stay safe this week, and thanks for listening to Trumpcast.